And welcome to another episode of the Free on Free podcast. As I believe everyone around the world has finished singing All Lang Syne. It's 2024 and moves are happening up and down the league. And the coaches are still entertaining us with their attempts at one-liners. Or in some cases, one word. And we'll go on to that very shortly. We've had a rest. We've enjoyed ourselves in the festive period. So we've brought the band back together. We have... The Diva. I'm not sure you may want a different news nickname for the new, second half of the year. We'll, we'll go on to that later on. And we've got a, a smiley Scott. So I, I think we're going to be good today. John, Scott, how are you, gents? Absolutely glorious, guys. Had a great Christmas. Family was at home for the whole time. And my girls around me, everyone's partners were here as well. So been great. But it's gone too quick, as everyone always says. And good to see you, boys. And we've got so much to talk about. And I've missed our little chats. Well, the singing has to stop. Uh, it was good while it lasted. Um, it's not. No, I'm, I'm protesting that straight away. Well, um, sing when you're winning, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty, well, we won, we won our last two, but... Um, we'll talk about yeah. that later. Be lost yeah. four in the middle, didn't you? Well, it's not on the Christmas series. It's not going for the Christmas number one, is it? Yeah. So no, the Christmas sense. number one was secured. Um, early doors. <laughs> so, yeah, the singing, the singing may come back, but, yeah, no, great, great few weeks... Um, Mad. I think it's Sunday today, is it? Or Monday? I don't know. <laughs> it's the day that ends in Y. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. We got we got a lot to get through. So we have indeed. So we normally go highlights, we're gonna merge it with a festive result. So this is being recorded before the, the winter whiteout at Manchester as they play the Sheffield Steelers. Um so that's why we'll not be mentioning that. So from the twenty second, um I was really gonna blast through these results. Belfast beating 5-5-2, Storm beating the Panthers 4-2, the Blaze losing to Guildford 2-3, Devils winning 4-1 against the Clan. On the 23rd, the Flames beat the Blaze again 5-1, Steelers shut out Cardiff 4-0, Panthers lost to Storm on a, in overtime 5-4, Dundee beat Clan 4-2, Giants beat 5-3-2 on a shootout, Boxing Day, Steelers 5-1 against the Panthers, Clan f- losing 5-2 to the Giants, the Devils scoring one or two goals against the Blaze, Flyers losing 4-2 to Dundee. The Storm beating the Flames 4-3 in a shootout. The day after, Steelers shut out the Panthers 4-0. Flames shut out the Storm 5-0. Dundee get the 10 paddle out against 5. And Blaze lose 7-3 to the Devils. The day after, the Giants got shut out at home. Um, second time of the season against the Clan. And Cody Sol scored the goal, which is mind-blowing in that as well. 30th, Flames uh, beat the Devils 4-3. Being 3-0 down. Steelers went 9-3 against the Storm. Clan 4-1 winners against the Flyers. Blaze beating the Panthers 4-3 on a shootout. Giants shutting out Dundee Stars 3-0. And then on New Year's Eve, Stars beating the Giants 3-2 on a shootout. The Devils losing 6-2 to the Flames. Panthers losing 4-2 to the Blaze. And the Flyers won 7-4 against the Clan. One or two games there. Gents, any bits from that festive period that you want to pick out on? Um... As a highlight, highlights is so much to go through. I think, in terms of um, importance to the league, the two that stand out for me massively is the Devils losing in Sheffield. Um, we talk about four point swings in sport, don't we? That you know, if team wins or team loses, is a four point swing either way. So that I think was a huge confidence boost for Sheffield going into Christmas, and I'm sure Devils will be kicking themselves having won the night before that they kind of uh, didn't kind of form forwards. 
And for me, Belfast losing at home to Glasgow, having only conceded one goal, that massively surprised me. Um, so they're probably like, the two most important results. But a highlight has to be, though, has to be Dundee from 2-0 down, coming back and beating Belfast in penalty shots. That was unreal. I mean, I didn't think for one second that was going to happen. It's only one point in the grand scheme of things. But I thoroughly enjoyed Dundee coming back to beat Belfast as my highlight. Well, there was an absolute back catalogue of potential highlights. Um, but I will give it to an losing effort to Brady Norrish uh, away in Guildford. We'd pulled the goalie. He turns into goalie and makes two or three saves, which that's just captain's mentality. And it's when you're 4-1 down and your captain's doing that, you're always going to be happy. Great, great effort by Brady. I'm going to go continue with the saves level. Um, I'm going to talk uh, Stranovic on the 27th against Steelers. He pulled off two absolutely top-draw saves, one in the third period, which I had no right to be in the same postcode, never mind getting close to it. Um, and a losing battle, but an absolute impressive effort from Stranovic. Um, if you haven't seen the highlights, do it just for them two saves alone. Um, and also, the, uh, two other things for me. Everyone's There's not one... Everyone's like, win one game, lose game. And there's a lot of that for the vast majority of teams. I mean, apart from Cardiff, who are having big leads and throwing them away like Belfast did in the Cup. Um, it's just very, incons- there's a lot of inconsistency um, in the results in that festive period. But also, £15,600 of a 50-50 prize. Um, nearly thirty-two grand spent on a draw. Uh, nowhere near anybody getting close to that. What an effort. And uh, I, my only complaint about it is I didn't win it. That's my only complaint. But good luck to whoever won that. But that's a, a hell of a prize to win. Outstanding. And I think a lot of that credit goes to not just the volunteers that do it, because it's a hard slog selling tickets. It really is, I can tell you from experience, especially at Christmas time. But I think the good thing from Sheffield's point of view They've built up almost a reputation now for this Boxing Day fixture where the 50-50 prize is kind of the big draw. Um, it's almost as big as the game itself. You know, it, it, everyone talks about on social media. You know the spend's going to be high per person. You know, in reality, it's going to be 10 grand. And they hype it well. I know some fans get riled by them hyping and selling, and I, and I get that. But if you can take over 15 grand as a club to keep towards it, and in the team and some lucky person takes 15 grand odds home, that's not life-changing, but that's a massive amount of money they could you know, do some serious good for people. And you know, good luck to the people who won it. I'm glad it went to like a normal fan, and it wasn't sort of a sponsor or a player, which maybe in the past sometimes they've been accused of uh, rigging draws, which I'm sure they could never, ever, ever do. But there's no doubt in that went to a genuine person, genuine fan, um, seemed like a nice family, Um and like, yeah, delighted for them. I mean, 15 grand is is incredible. Um, and if they can keep that kind of effort going on year after year, not a bad little nest egg for the team, is it, with having sold like jerseys and stuff at the same time and a massive crowd as well. In terms of their, their coffers, it boosts those massively should any players in January. You know, 15 grand is what, 20 players pays for the salaries for the week, doesn't it? So... You can't, you can't argue with it. And Sheffield do it right. Sheffield get a lot right. And I've always said that. So they will keep doing it. I'll save this to, for, for a perspective of balance that obviously Sheffield have the capacity in terms of numbers to get their numbers. So 
And what Sheffield have done in the past and still do is they talk about the percentage at venue. So if the percentage is high at the venue, it's as good as. Because, you know, being realistic, Fife ain't going to get 9,000 people in that barn. But if they can get a similar percentage of spend, that'll do the same results on a, on a slightly smaller scale than Sheffield will. Um, talking of attendances, uh, Coventry had a, a big attendance for the first time in a while, mate. Good to see. Yeah, over the Christmas period, um, two, well over two and a half for the Cardiff game and near enough full for the Nottingham game. So the, the, it just shows there is that interest there. It's just getting them back on a week-on-week on week basis. And this is when you get into the argument of how we market it. Well, is marketing it going to make much of a difference? And my missus will tell you 100% it does. Um, but you can see why the old boys just don't, don't want to change their ways. Also helps if the team's winning as well. You're always going to get a few more through the door. But it was good to see the interest is still there. Oh, it is. And also a few other places. I know Cardiff have got uh, a couple of uh, sellouts, so they call it hellouts. Uh, Guildford got the sellout and uh, some healthy tenancies uh, for Fife and Dundee as well as, as the clan. And, and obviously today Manchester is, all, is a near as damn it sellout. So it's just good around the league that you're getting. And yes, you do go in the festive period, but it's good to continue to see, especially with you know cost of living and everything, that clubs are still able to get the sellout signs um, in this like shortened period of time where there's also so many games. And with um, Dundee as well, that 2pm, that baffled me. I know... I know uh, north of the border, Hogmanay's a very serious uh, b- thing, but 2pm, I think that's the earliest I've ever seen a, a league game. It's insane. One. Well, we were talking yesterday, weren't we? And we were both like, what the fuck? You know, 2pm, having both travelled from the night before. And some of our Scottish friends are like, oh, it's Hogmanay. Yeah, you can still get pissed if you start at four. <laughs> Starting start at two, where the team that's coming from, at least one team travelling on the day, possibly both travelling on the day, is, is wild. And... Uh, yeah, either way, no complaints. Maybe it meant that uh, Dundee were more fresh to get the win, which they did. But yeah, 2pm, you've got to be so keen. I mean, even as a fan, to try and get to a game at 2pm would be a slog, but it's to try and get to play. Be, it would have confused me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, all the results happening, and we'll we'll discuss the league very shortly. We're going to move tact a little bit. and We're seeing clubs making some moves, some enforced moves. Um, and just to freshen freshen the palette up, Scott. Yeah, and it's good to see that his teams north of the ball are doing it. Fife were crying out for some changes. The fan base that was so optimistic at the start of the season were quickly losing patience and quickly losing patience with the narrative of Tom Collins' interviews. Uh, and he he said the bodies were coming in and to get um, Kevin Linscrog in who played at the Flames, that's a hell of a signing. Bit confused about why he wasn't allowed to play. Um, so something about paperwork not getting done. Does that happen to a Sheffield? Does that happen to a Nottingham? No. So what is the deal there that Fife couldn't get their goalie in to play? What's the point in getting an import goalie in if you're being told he can't play? So confused on that one. They um, Dundee made some moves as well. Manchester I bought in a another goalie. Slightly baffled by that one. I don't know if you, you can take the reins on that one, David, because you're the goalie. But yeah, teams are making moves and um, certain teams aren't, but we will talk about that later. Um, yeah, Manchester have brought in uh, Fladell, uh, who started on Saturday. He only came in the country the day before. And if I'm honest with you, if I'm Odell, I'd be pissed off. I'm, I'm baffled with that because you've got 
the head coach beat a goalie. And you know you go with the hot goalie. He's won three of the last four games. Yes, the one loss was a 5-0 defeat down at Guildford, but many teams have have lost in Guildford. He's playing well. So, you know, he, he plays on Saturday. All respect to Manchester, pound for pound, beating against Sheffield, is this, it's a mismatch, and I'm not being disrespectful per se, but the, they're the facts. So play all down. Gave uh, the new goalie time to acclimatise, plays New Year's Day. I didn't understand that, and it looked like he'd only just come in and he's not settled in because his, his, his control, his awareness was all over the show. He was pulled after the first period, probably to protect him more than anything, but I wouldn't have started him in the first place. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good to see there's some, some moves in. And whilst we're still talking about the Linsgood signing, it's good that um, Andy Little got uh, a victory for five, um, thrown into the deep water, uh, trying to help that out. And uh, it was good. To, it's good to see actually a couple of brick goalers getting some wins um, as we're coming up to the Olympic qualifiers as well as the World Champs in a few months' time. So now nah, back on the Manchester baffling. We'll see how he does today in the New Year's Day game. Unless uh, Weniger's more injured than we envisage, uh, it could be permanent replacement. Who knows? Um, time will tell. I just say one for your Manchester because not really got much to say of them. They're quietly going about their business. Um, look, Sheffield have been blowing them out over the last couple of weeks, but Sheffield are doing that to a lot of teams. So we, those results aside, Storm getting the wins that they wouldn't be getting last season and quietly just keeping themselves where they should be in the table. So a good job to Storm. A hundred percent, they're keeping themselves under the radar. Um, John, what are you what are you making on the uh, the moves and uh, the shakes that's happening at the moment? I think you're right on Oldale. Um, and we spoke to him a few weeks ago about coming on and he's kind of come on and, and fair play to the guy from pretty much been on the bench for a little while. He's played a lot of games and won games. So uh, it'd be good to chat to him because he'll give us some, uh, show some good information about uh, the team. Yeah, that, that goalie was horrible. The first one kind of went through his glove. I know he's probably a little bit tired. He hasn't really been around the team long enough to, to, to get his foot in. But yeah, it's a bit of a weird one for me. Oldale being a Sheffield boy, having played against him a few times recently. Personally, I thought he might be more ready to play that game. Um, but yeah, as we said, unless Wenninger is injured a bit more than we think, seems a bit of a... I don't know, it's a bit of a, almost a frustrating signing because you want your British guys to get games. That's only how they improve. We've talked about this all the time. Same with, you know, little in Fife, he wouldn't get any ice if Owen was was, was fit. So, it's a shame. Um, yeah, there's not been as many signings as I thought. I know the season is going to kind of go into, I suppose, signing overdrive in January. Uh, I'm sure there's been some business being done behind the scenes that uh, will soon be announced. There's a few alleged things going on in Belfast, which we hear about. So, um, yeah, obviously Cardiff brought in uh, this wild guy, wild thing apparently. Mm, interesting nickname. And uh, apart from that, it's been quite quiet, I think. I thought it would be a bit more you know, movement, but then I suppose trying to bring in guys over Christmas to travel before Christmas is probably a tough one. Unless they're in Europe and, you know, in the right circumstances, it maybe it's tough to bring guys in. But interesting. And I'm sure the next week or two will be uh, a bit busier than it has been. And we'll see maybe 15 new Belfast players by next week. So we'll judge them. I'm going by Thursday. Which is got too late. Too late. What the fuck have they been doing? Pull the finger out. Ridiculous. Bizarre. So you saying the season's over for them? Yeah, interesting. Like it. And we'll elaborate on that a bit later on because we're going to talk about that. But I want to just add, uh, Scott mentioned about Manchester going under the radar. 
and we'll, we'll kind of move on to the next bit. Another team that's just gone under the radar and picking up results left, right, centre are the Guildford Flames. Our friends down south, they're uh, quietly doing their business. Um, especially the, the last two games, big wins against Cardiff. Uh, Scott, it's uh, it looks like they've kind of flipped the switch and they're getting back to what they were playing last year. Yeah, but a slightly different. I mean, Dixon kind of went too much against the the, the grain and what he knows. Um, but I think he's kind of finally clicked in what how he, his team wants to play this year. And look, we know that Guildford fans are non-existent, so especially on social media. So Guildford could win, and no one, no one will really talk about it. But you only start talking about it when they start picking a win, win and churning out wins. And look, a very, very successful Christmas period for them. Um, I think they took 11 out of 12, I believe, points. Because they did they lose, yeah, 11 out of 12 points available. Uh, big wins against Cardiff. I mean, to go 3-0 down against Cardiff, well, to go 3-0 down against anyone and to come back and ruffle the feathers of the Devils and then go and spank them by four goals, scoring four goals in the third period in Cardiff. Dixon's cool, calm collective. is in abuse, doesn't give a lot away. They'll just be going about their business in Guildford. And yeah, but I don't, I mean, 100% don't think they've got a chance of getting anywhere near Sheffield. I don't think anyone else, but they'll, um, yeah, fair play to them. Go well on the Tories. Now, it's uh, Paul Dixon. I, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but uh, it's his 25th year at that organisation. Wow. And you don't get many people on or off ice that spends that much time. Um, at one place. And that's, just, I think, as player as well as, as coach. Caviar must be good. It must be. Yeah, I mean, it's almost ironic you think that the season that Guildford had last year where they were on fire, um, we weren't really taking them seriously for the first few weeks. I think if you rewind a year ago, the three of us were saying at Christmas time, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And we were kind of, at that point, saying they were going to be the champions. And they went to a bit of a horrible form around the term, term of the year. I think this time last year, they started a bit of a slide. And if they'd have had this kind of form last season at Christmas into the new year, they'd have been champions. Um, they've given themselves a bit too much to do in reality. They started terribly to the point by we're saying, oh my God, they're going to be struggling to get in the top eight. They're always going to be good enough to get the top eight because there's two worst teams than them, at least in the league. But now you look at the way they're playing, had they not had that start that they had, they would be challenging maybe for the top two. I think I agree with Scott. No one's catching Sheffield. The only thing that could beat Sheffield right now is Sheffield. And that just sounds like a daft thing to say. But you, you look at the four lines that they have, they they just keep going and they keep going. And the difference is, I think, in, in the Sheffield team of this year is they, they want more goals. They're not happy to win 2-1-3-1. They want to go and beat you by 5-6-7. I think that's a mark of a, of a championship team that has that ruthlessness. You know, they want to keep going at you and they're not going to be prepared to sort of sit back and, and just protect a two-goal lead. But them aside, Guildford have got the most exciting team on current four. You know, they, yeah. they've beaten Coventry home and away. They've beaten Cardiff home and away. And they battered Cardiff in Cardiff. Um, the point where there was booze from the home fans. And <laughs> I thought you'd be <laughs> sad for that, Scott. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like Guildford. I don't want to like Guildford. You know, we call them the Tories, but when you got a guy like him that is running the, the, the ship, I don't like the management off ice. I find them an absolute 
Football League to deal with when I have to deal with them as well. And it's all very cloak and dagger how things happen in Guildford. But just based people on him being a hockey guy, and as you said, David, 25 years being in and around it, I would never begrudge them winning a trophy. Um, the league, yeah, is, is probably a step too far. But if they, they take this form into the cup against Glasgow, when well, we all know what Glasgow are like, they can be juggling and height. You know, Guildford potentially go into another final. They've been there before. They've got that experience, and it'll be a tough team to play in a one-off game. Just one more thing on Guildford that someone had to take the shot on Lewis Hook, didn't they? Because Lewis Hook would probably would have been in an arena team, and blah blah blah. Guildford got him thirty points in twenty-three league games, top of standings. They made the roster changes, which they never normally do. Petrozuli and Limos went. Uh, they brought in McParland. Who who was stellar player in this league? Just they've gone against their grain a little bit, and they're, they're just doing the business. But Lewis Hook, fucking hell, where did he come from? Well, they've upgraded Lacko in terms of production. In reality, um, you know, I know you're a massive Lacko fan, and we all respect Lacko as a player. Where do you think that they've probably replaced him essentially yeah. in that team? You still got O'Connor who can still play at this level as well. And Hook's a good player. Um, we all know the alleged reasons why he's no longer in Belfast. But when you look at the Belfast British contingent, and you had a, a chance to keep a guy like him in the team, obviously it was never going to be able to happen. But to some extent, I think Hook was almost a victim, as you see, uh, of, of circumstance. You know, he can't play in Belfast. Cardiff would be full. Sheffield would be full. Would he be okay in Nottingham? I'm not sure about that. Um players from his part of the world when they go to play in Nottingham they don't tend to succeed maybe David Clark aside um, but yeah I'm sure Hook will be sort of keeping the form going to the end of the year getting himself in the national team and probably picking his his team next year because if he keeps playing like that I'm kind of sure he'll have a lot of people coming after him because he's a big boy as well he can uh, put himself in front of the crease and yeah great signing and he's doing the business no, someone had to take the risk. Guildford have, and they're reaping the rewards of the risk. Uh, so fair play to them. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. This month, obviously, the semi-final, will be interesting to see just how they handle that. And then it's whoever they have in, in the final. Uh, so if they obviously, if they do go and beat Glasgow. We move on. Um, we've mentioned this a few times because some coaches are predictable. Uh, some are interested in their responses but the festive period we've seen quite a number of weird and wacky and hilarious interviews uh already alluded to that earlier on in the episode scott i, I know this is one that you would like to uh go over and, and analyze cause like you mentioned about uh dixon and he keeps his cards with chest in his interviews do you want to elaborate a bit more on the the, the wackiness that the festive season has seen uh produced from the uh, the coaches first of all Call out again. And well, I'll keep calling out. Put the fucking question in the interview so we know what they're answering. We'll start off with that. Before you um, carry on, can I just, I'll just, that was the best thing that they did for the uh, Coventry interview. Because I don't you know, imagine. I missed that one. Do you imagine, no, do you imagine <laughs> if he just starts with um, the one word answer? Yeah. What's that about? <laughs> well, we'll start there, first of all, when you the team's on a skit and you get absolutely spanked. Uh, Danny isn't one to ever slag his players off, but he did. He said they were shit. And he needed they needed to sort it out. So can't I can't ask for any more from my coach. Anyway, uh, Mr. Morgan and Mr. Keith, just because your team fucking loses, don't say you made the opposition goalie look good because you look like you ain't got a clue what you're doing. 
it, it, it's just it's, it's just a little bit disrespectful. You can say, oh, he put the the shots out from wide and blah blah blah. He didn't score the goals. Don't put down the other team because you got beat. If you get shit out at home, one nil, that's your fault. So think about what you're saying because we, not just us, elite league fans, we're a raucous bunch and we have opinions. And if you piss us off, we're going to let you know. And you've, you're just chatting shit. Oh, we made the goal and it looked good. On your bike. That's triggered about uh, 200 Belfast fans right there. You know, they won't have a bad word since their coach, to be fair. Uh, listen, I think if you get beat 1-0 at home, you don't even mention the other opposition goalie. As simple as that, you score one goal. You know, if you can't score more, you, if you haven't scored, haven't scored one goal, rather. Your goalie's done his job. He's conceded one. And your forwards have scored then. The bottom line is you have to blame your forwards. And let's be honest with you, there's been too many players for Belfast who've been coasting for a long time. There's players that they clearly do not want to be there. So if they don't want to be there, to me, they don't want to be in the league because they've signed for the biggest organisation in the league based upon the last few seasons. If that can't motivate you to get, you know, to put a shift in, then nothing can. If you think you're too good for Belfast, if you think you're too good for the league, fuck off. Go and play somewhere else and see how you, how you fare. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit naughty. And when Morgan kind of came out with the same comment as well, I found that very disrespectful because we all know that goalie in Fife is a backup that just opens the gates all the time and he's just there for keeping up the numbers. So, so good for him. You know, it's probably one of his first ever professional wins. I don't know his, his, his previous stats. I don't guess he's played many games over the years being behind Owen. But good for the guy. He he beat you. Don't give him some shit. That's just, that's just petulant. No, I agree. And it's one that, Obviously, I'll take more of an interest in terms of when they say that the goal looked good. But the goal's job is to make saves. So if you're helping him make saves, well, you're saying you make him look good. Well, who's the bigger fool? Is it your lot that done the same sort of shape, style of shot time and time again? Then that's your problem. With your dope coming out with shit like, oh, making him look good. You've helped do that, so don't bitch about it. And I, I'm... We will go Belfast. They are there's, there's massive issues with that team, and there's also massive issues in terms of Keith. Because I'll say this about his interviews: they're calm and composed, or they have been the last few weeks, especially yesterday uh, against Dundee. That weren't a composed interview. That is, it appears outside in a man that is struggling to work out what the hell to do with that team. It looks like he's tried X, Y, Z, and nothing's working. Now, you hear the Belfast fans, and there's a lot of them that's upset at the moment, that the teams, they're not bothered about the losses per se, but it's the effort, it's the work rate. that They do pride themselves on. That's what their thing is. If you play, you know, put the effort in, you'll be respected, and they don't see that. So I'm I'm intrigued with, with Keith at the moment. His interviews give a little bit away more than he probably thinks he is. I'm maybe completely wrong here. So, But uh, Pete Russell's also uh, a bit... On the off, and, and uh, it, it, sometimes it just comes across as like he's not bothered. I agree. It, to be honest with you, I've seen a few people, you know, friends of mine, they make comments on it. It comes across that he doesn't give a shit. Like when they got beat by Clan in that cup game, he was smirking, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, this, whatever the words were to paraphrase, it's just well done." Night it goes that way sometimes. No, you, you've you've won the away game. 
You've done all the hard work. You got beaten on home ice when you expect to get through. And even if you don't win the competition, you've lost your team a home gate. That's a lot of money. That 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 defeat would cost them a lot of money. Which, in reality, a club like Cardiff would would bank on that additional game because they don't expect to get knocked out in the quarterfinal. They expect to get to at least the semi final, final if not win it. And whether he's, he's on a, a, a two or three year contract and he's feeling a bit sort of secure, I don't know. But he just when they get beat, he doesn't come across. He gives a shit. No, he owned it a little bit in the game, um, the first game against uh, Guildford. He said, oh, I, I changed a few things after, you know, we beat um, Coventry back to back. It's maybe on me a little bit. No, you should be right. You should be kicking right off. You, you've, you're 3-0 up away and you lose in regulation. Teams with championship aspirations do not lose 3-0 leads in regulation. That's two points you've pissed away. You know, you can try and put it as much as you want. You've pissed away two points. And that negativity of Guildford coming back has cost them the game the next night. You know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a lot to be said about being calm and there's a lot to be said about not giving too much weight in interviews. But most fans want to see a bit of passion and they want to see some kind of energy from the guy. They want to see some belief that they're going to turn it around. I don't believe from from Russell over the last few weeks you've had any of those things. And as a fan, you'd be questioning why he doesn't seem to give a shit because I'm sure he does. He's, he's, he's got a great you know career in terms of internationally. But domestically, he's not done an awful lot, obviously, in this league before. Nothing's given in sport. And I think if you want to succeed in a club like Cardiff, you need to buy in a bit more. And you need to show a bit of passion because fans won't stand for it. And if you don't have the fans on side in Cardiff, you could be a very lonely figure. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know, Pete, but he does... The smiling, I don't know if that's just his mannerisms, but it's just not going to come across wrong, come across right. Sorry, um, but what did make me laugh is after those interviews, uh, someone I don't know who it was tweeted a picture of Andrew Lord with just wanting back, and I just smiled and I just thought, Well, there you go. Um, and he said, I changed a little bit after the weekend before. You put 15 goals past Coventry. What 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 did you need to change that much? You absolutely passed Cov off the rink. We were chasing shadows. It was take it into the zone, recycle the puck, wear them down. And why would you not try and do that to Guildford? You'd have to explain that one to me. It was just a little bit bizarre. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we, we can talk... Um, and analyse the um, the coaches and what they're saying and everything. And I- I'm pretty certain that we will do on this podcast between now and the end of the season. But I want to kind of delve a little bit in terms of the title race. Two teams that are really, and we've mentioned them already, but really struggling. And I've not seen these two teams struggle for some time. Don't get me wrong, as a chef fan, I'm quite happy with this. But Cardiff and Belfast, guys, they, they are just... It's, it's, it's weird to see, because you may have one team that doesn't hit straps and gets going, but to see both of them, it's a bit bizarre. Uh, I think if you were to look at the schedules, definitely post-Christmas, boxing the onwards and into the new year, if you've got aspirations of winning the league, you'd be fairly confident that both those clubs would have won all those games. Now, Belfast, I know it's to do with travel, Um but they scheduled all those Scottish teams over Christmas, which 
should be like a 10 point, you know, guaranteed, you know, little bonus of points over Christmas. And the fact that they've dropped three of those is incredible. I think they got lucky after they beat or got beat by Glasgow and they played five word like what four players or something stupid. Um, I think if they're playing against anybody with even half decent uh, a roster size, they may even drop even points over those two five games. Um, so them dropping three points against Scottish teams, including one at home, is remarkable. It really is. Um, in terms of Cardiff, they just can't get going. Um, they've lost some poor games this season. Beat by five recently, which I, I'm just amazed by. I still can't believe the five beat Cardiff. That's a massive two points that they can't get back any point you know over the season. Um, they got beat by Manchester a couple of times early on in the season as well, where Manchester won on the form they're on right now. And in reality, okay, in sport, a lot can change very quickly. If you said to the fans after the two games against Coventry, where are you at? You'd be thinking, yeah, we're right in with this, this title challenge. We really are. But when you drop four points in two games against a decent, if not incredible, rival team, then I think you're struggling. And I think that looking at the league table now, okay, we're not even halfway. But they're very much on the outside looking in. I, I think for them to even stand a chance of winning the league, they probably have to win maybe nine of every ten games, maybe. They're probably going to afford to lose maybe three or four games between now and the end of the season to win the league. Is that realistic? Don't think it is. They still got one of two players that we've talked about before that I question being good enough to play for the club. Um, so I think as, as daft as it is, we're not even into January yet, really. And their season is potentially over. Well, in terms of the league, anyway. Um, Belfast, yeah, they're probably going to bring players in. But the gap is huge. I know games in hand are worth nothing to you win them. But if those four games were won by Sheffield, they're 15 points behind. Even if Sheffield shit the bed for a few weeks, 15 points is a massive fucking swing to try and overhaul. And again, like with Cardiff, for Belfast to stand a chance of winning the league, they've almost got to win out. They've got to be winning nine or every 10 games. And when you think that that includes playing against each other, that's a tough sort of slog. And we hate the leagues when one team dominates it. We always like when that year when Belfast just literally won it by what twenty three points, whatever it was, twenty four points, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. But by the same token, Sheffield are just a wagon, um, and I don't see either of those two teams overhauling them, and I don't see either club right now performing anywhere near the level they should be. They're, they're both challenging for the league every year, year, you know, generally. But to be out of it by January, potentially, isn't going to make fans happy, especially over in Belfast. Um, yes, but you know, things can change. They really can. You know, before Christmas, we probably would have been writing off either team. But if Sheffield keep winning... The job is becoming harder and harder and harder for Car- for Cardiff and, and Belfast because they haven't got teams that inspire the fans to to put those runs together. What about Fast Giants playing at Grand Slam champions? Fucking about. Are you bringing in players or not? We all joked that you bring in players, but we started making this joke eight weeks ago, and you've brought in one player who's on an injury cover. I don't get it. They've, there was murmurs that they were bringing in. Brady Shaw, I mean, that, there's a lot of loose lips around the league and that didn't happen. They need multiple players and they need multiple players with a bit of heart and that club should be able to attract any player, potentially, that would come to this league. 
look at the setup. It's I don't get it. It's too little, too late. So I think it's a, a learning curve for the Belfast Giants and um, their first real bit of adversity under the Keith era. You could say the nineteen twenty season was a bit drab for them. They didn't really score a lot of goals, but that kind of got squashed with COVID. It's a forgotten season. Um, Cardiff Devils. Now, I get a lot of jokes put to me that I don't like the Cardiff Devils. It's not true. I just have a little bit of fun. And you could all say sorry to me at some point because I'm right. Um, the Chad Pitchinero and the Riley Brandt situation has not worked, has it? And But we said this to you and you told me this. Let's give you some stats because stats work and stats don't lie. Uh, Riley Brandt has scored three goals all season, all in losing efforts. He has zero points in the last 10 games and his ice time is dwindling. His last game, he played five minutes. And then we talked about Chad Piccinero. He has a zero points in 13 games and his ice time is dwindling. This is an import team where you have got the spare import to play because you play bounds and you are doing nothing. You, we also said to you that if you sign back this first line, you will struggle to win the league and score goals. Um, Cole Sanford has scored. I do not know where Trevor Cox is. Um, you also, one thing about when I just said to earlier, you played Coventry off the ice and you go and change it up. You bounds gets a, a late shot in in Guildford. Admittedly, Crawford went after him, but where was the pushback? Where was the physicality? You know, those two players that you don't play, you could use them. You could do something with them. Bounds gets uh, ran across the crease. He does collapse, but he has made contact in his crease. Zero response. Ah, Cardiff, what are you doing? Starting with Belfast. It, I, I, I'm as baffled. And um, yeah, we, we, like you said, Scott, we were doing this joke weeks ago. But you, this is a team that apart from the tweak here and there, was a team that we saw do very well in the CHL against bigger and better opposition. So basically what that, that team is saying to Adam Keith, we can get up for a Saturday night against Bolzano, but fuck it, doing it against Glasgow. And to me, that's piss poor. It's, you know, it's the old joke of going to Stoke on a, on a rainy Tuesday night. It's that same mentality. You know, all teams have these games where there's expectation. I want to highlight the, the Jackson Whistler come up about a while back that they should always beat Glasgow. And in fairness, let's be realistic. The comparison pound for pound, yes, they should. You still have, have and it's clear, it's clear as day like that there's number in that team that's just not putting the hard yards in. To warrant the reputation that the, the teams previously have earned them and, and well earned. So I don't get the attitude of certain players, and it's you can't you hear when we talk to our friends in Belfast, and then one week it's this player, the other week it's that player, and it's always someone. And it seems like there's a lot of players that just have this eh, can't be asked, and that's poor. Regardless of team, that's poor to have players of that nature. So they should have made changes. I'm not sure if they're able to make any more or that many changes that they need to really get their season going, but. Cardiff, it's it's interesting because that's a team that yeah we said would look a bit short. Started very well, and then have just at the moment seemed to have nose dived off a cliff, and I don't understand that because again they've got players who are very good, very talented, have done well in the league previously. Uh, they have some that don't, no, but every team needs glue guys apparently. Um, 
And it's just it's things just aren't happening. And again, it's a franchise that now, or a team, sorry, that the fans expect. But like Belfast, it's expecting the effort. And you read social media at the moment, and it's every single kind of fan that's posted, it's poor effort, no effort. Um, and it's just interesting to see that. It, now, I'll ask this question to you two guys. Is it quick to go, no effort, when your team's losing? Is it the go-to line when your team's, there's expectation to win everything and they're not, oh, they're not putting the effort in? Is that the kind of, is that becoming the go-to line? I, I'm interested in to see what kind of comp- uh, comments we're going to get from people from Cardiff Listen because all the things Scott said, we pointed them out, as he said, we did. And it's not saying we're any experts, we're not. But there's sometimes you, you, there's things in hockey you can see are not going to work. You can see that having those two guys on the roster, Petronero and, and Brands, not good enough for Cardiff. They're not good enough. And whilst there are some hardcore fans that love both, particularly Brands, like we said, they don't get signed by Belfast or, or Sheffield. And and that's why then they're not scoring points. They could, and the comment about needing a better first line than last year, you've got to improve and they haven't improved. The thing with Cardiff is, and I've obviously known a lot of people for a long time, you're not allowed to be critical in the slightest on social media. If someone is critical about the team, they get jumped on. And yeah, I, I like to some extent having a siege mentality as an organisation, as a club. You don't want you know to be having people ripping on you, but just call a spade a spade. When they're not playing well and they're not putting a shift in, then they need to be called out. And if fans decide to do that, then good luck to them. Now, there's certain fans that have been quite critical in the last couple of weeks that probably not qualified to be that way. They've only been around for two minutes and it doesn't mean their, their opinion is any less valid. But by the same token, there's people out there that have been a fan for a long, long time and they will never see something negative said about their team. And the longer they, they do that and they pander to everything the club does why will the club change? If the club's making money and the club's, you know, bringing the, 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 the sort of the big crowds in, is success that important? It should be. That's a club built on success right from the the mid-80s when they first came along. They've, they've been used to winning. They had a spell of not being used to winning. And now with that spell coincided with bad ownership and bad management and, and the club losing money. Now, fans still went. The, the hardcore fans still went. But what is what? What are kind of devils now? Are they a team that's been built to win titles and, and win and win challenge trophies, or are they a team just to make money? Because for me, at the moment, they're more the latter than the former. I think as long as they're getting full crowds and they're making money, that seems to take priority for me over winning the league. Because if you're going to sign players like they signed who are not good enough to play for the team, you, you, you know, you're, from the start of the season. You put yourself at a disadvantage, and I don't. I don't understand it. Uh, can fans moan? Yes, but there's ways of doing it, and it's always after. I know it's the obvious. It's always after a loss, but there's never there's never any positives when they do win. Belfast or Cardiff put a run together. Um, I just don't like the fact that play fans will call players for individually named players to be sacked, or individually call players wankers or dickheads or pricks like. There's ways to do that. You aren't. Social media gives someone so much fucking balls, and it really winds me up because I would love to go, whoa, stop. Here you go. Take your tweet and go up to that player 
and say it. Um, so I think clubs should be should call out it a little bit. Or when when Belfast do actually win the league, which is probably going to be next year or the year after, or they win the trophy, and these fans that slagged them off the night before did silly videos shaking their head or saying that you're going to have to do this and do that. But hold on a minute, mate. What were you saying last week about me? Shut your fucking mouth. There should be a little bit more of that. Players should have a bit more free will. And coaches. Sorry, you want me to be sacked? Do I go into your workforce when you fucking can't be asked and say for you to be sacked? No. Do better. Thank you. I think that's a fair point. Um, I think it's something that we've mentioned previously. It's that license to do whatever the hell you want on social media without the, re- the relevant repercussions. Um, and I'm sure we'll mention that again because it seems to be the thing that ha- loops around week after week. We'll, we'll keep on the fans aspect, though, because you want, Scott, talk about kind of entitled fans or the attitude of entitlement that seems to be peering through more and more. Yeah, I mean, I think of what I just said really covers all that. Um just come on, God. If you're sending a tweet and you're swearing and you're trying to put down someone, just pause and say, "Am I going to say that to that player's face?" You're also not going to win the league every year or the trophies every year because there's ten teams in the league, um, and there's only can only be one winner of the, the league. So just accept that clubs like Sheffield Steelers have looking like they finally got it right for the first time in however many years and their fan base has been waiting for it so oh let's be honest guys there's been uh entitlement of uh fans in this league for a long time um whether it be sheffield cardiff belfast nottingham they're all guilty of it um how do i sort of say this sound like i'm being a dick at the end of the day, guys, the, the sport is about entertainment. It's about fun. If you win, it's a bonus. It really is. You've got no God-given right to support a team that's going to win titles or win trophies and and bring you know you happiness come the off-season. You have to accept that your team will lose and, and likely most seasons will not win t- trophies. And if you can't accept that, then sport isn't for you. You're going to be a dick on social media, whether it be a dick about your own team or an opposition team, just just fuck off. Because at the end of the day, you know, we, we love the game. We like winning, but it's not a given. And if you want to come to watch games, expect to win. And if it doesn't go your way, you're going to be a knob. Then maybe you shouldn't watch sport, full stop. I think we've seen a number of examples across all fan bases of just being an ass. And there's a difference, we've always said, there's a difference between being constructively critical and that's there, it should be there, and there's just being a downright arse. And I think maybe, you know, the wishes of 2024, that one definitely to be just better. Um, and, you know, people can say, well, they're hockey players and they're also human beings as well. And yes, it's not about being what some may call snowflake. It's actually being better attitude. You know, if you're going to say person didn't do well, fine. But like Scott said, are you going to allow that person to go to your workplace and uh, do the same thing? Probably not. And you probably would get offended. So I think, you know, the hope for this year, just we just be better online and not just go for the likes and retweets because you're an edgy twat. Let, let's, let's, let's remove that from what we see on the daily basis. 
So you both have talked about it. I'm avoiding it for obvious reasons because I'm not wanting to jinx anything. But we'll talk about the form team, um, and that's the Sheffield Steelers, who are doing very well, scoring for fun, defending for fun. Um, Scott, I'll let you start with the jinx. Do you know what? I don't think there'll be a jinx for the Sheffield Steelers because Sheffield, I've had their adversity. It was a horrible bit of adversity for this season. Um, the players had to go through that. They had they had a few weeks off and they had to come back for it and they've come back from it very well and looked like a, a very solid team. Four solid lines, a, a decor that doesn't look like you're giving up um, many goals. And they are scoring goals and putting teams to the sword. They're not relaxing or resting on their morals, you know, with the second leg against Manchester. Nah, professional job. Let's go do this. You've got, um, when we had Valorand on, he's, when he came back last season, he says he didn't feel like he came back to the same sort of team. He wasn't the guy. He needed to stay back and let the, that season play out. Now it's this season, it's a team full of, don't get me wrong, individuals that have come together to make a very, very good team. Realistically, let's be honest, no one expected the season for Simpson to be having. Um, if we were to look at the Sheffield team we were picking, would he be the scapegoat if Sheffield aren't doing that well? Oh, he shut everyone up, hasn't he, really? And he's getting third line minutes. You look at the emergence of Cole Schroeder putting egg on my face and I'm fucking loving that. Well done for shutting me up, Cole. Love it. Brandon Whistle there. You just got a very, very good team. Um, and a likeable team to watch. And there's not one Sheffield player that bothers me in the sense of you're a bit of a dick, you're a bit chippy, you're a bit edgy, you're you're there for the wrong reasons. Dowd as captain, look, just doing everything right. And um, hate to say it, um, but I think they could be looking. I won't think they've got the. It's not the sort of season where they could do the twenty-three point lead, but. If Sheffield don't win this league by 13 to 17 points, then either they've went on a massive injury spell or something went horribly wrong. But we said for Fox this year, he needed to get something right. And I, I feel like he has got it very, very right. I want to, before we bring John into this, I want to mention one thing. It's something I tweeted recently. Cole Shieldra, like I say, he's on fire at the moment. I'm going to go to you guys, the yes and no. If he carries on the way he is, play-wise, and injury doesn't prevent, is that a dark horse selection for GB for the Olympic qualifiers and the World Championships? No. Do you want me to elaborate? Yeah, go on. Russell's is, Russell will be stubborn in his picks. He has his core squad um, and he'll come up with some reason for Cole not to be in that squad. Um, and I personally think Cole needs to do it on a uh, consistent level. Uh, and it is different gravy when it's uh, in the Worlds. And I feel like maybe there will be other players, more experienced players that will be ahead of him in the, the pecking order. I agree for the same reason. Um, we've spoken to a few players, in, without naming any names, The Russell doesn't seem to uh, maybe change his opinion on players. He has his favourites and he sticks to them. Um, we've even seen that in Cardiff with the... Duggan being sidelined. Um, yeah, Shudra, I don't think will, will be in the squad unless again, it's a lot of injuries in, in, uh, you know, the weeks coming up to it. He deserves to, uh, like Scott, I questioned it. He kind of came into the club on the back of a horrendous situation, of course, and 
he wasn't signed to, to be an elite league player. He had his elite league stint before, went down to the national, ripped up in the national to be fair, seemed to be there, he'd see his days out in Leeds or maybe Steel Dogs if, if things had, you know, changed. But he's a elite league player every single bit. And he's playing forward, he's playing D. He's he's been a bit more nasty this year, which is why I think he's he's, he's lacked in the past. He needs a bit of edge to him, you know, where he just he plays a body, he he, he makes sure he, he follows through on a hit, and he's a bastard to play against. And I think that's been missing. Like his dad, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, and that's all well and good. But I think to be a hockey player in this league, especially a guy of his size, maybe he needs to use that size a bit more. And he wasn't in the past doing that, but now he is. Yeah, I think he's having a great season. If I'm to elaborate on the the Sheffield thing, Scott made some great points and points that I would have maybe made had he not said them as well. Um, obviously, speak about Sheffield daily uh, with the misses and stuff, and uh, you know we chat of course as well. And the thing that to me stands out is that there's no one player, and like Scott almost said it, I don't like on that team, not one. Because, you know, in most squads, you can think, oh, there's, there's two or three are not very good. We've highlighted those in, in Cardiff's roster before. There's no one I think that you would replace right now. Um, even guys that in the past would be demanding to be on the first line and demand to be like, like Valorant, he's not. He's happy to take a second, third line role wherever, wherever is needed of him. He plays power play, penalty kill. He, you know, he's. But whilst he's a bit of a, a Marmite kind of guy, what I've noticed this year, he's the last guy to leave the ice. He's always at the, at the door after a win, like like this kind of elbow pump, all the, the players coming off. There's definitely um, a unity in the squad. Everyone seems like everybody. The defence is unbelievable. Like you've got Sourceman, Tansy, Diffley, Neverlining. And and even though they had to replace, obviously, Peck, right? they feel like even stronger. That Dominic guy they brought in. And then the goals, like Simpson... He's a fourth-line player, barring injuries. He comes into the third line sometimes. His hands are unbelievable. His skating's unbelievable. He's such a sulky player, and he's a quick player. He's got a quick release. But also, for a big guy, he doesn't take dumb penalties. And I think the biggest thing for me this year for Sheffield is discipline. I took a daft penalty late on against Manchester today. I was almost surprised, because they, they barely take penalties at all anymore. They're five on five, or they're going to be five on four, five on three, and they're going to kill you. They can kill you five on five. If you could, if you go down against them on a five on four, five on three, they're definitely going to kill you. I don't know what they've done differently, what Fox has done, or the coaching staff behind the scenes, but they've made them disciplined, and they're not taking dumb penalties. And if you you can't get them in the box, you're fucked. And I just think that there's a depth in that squad that's scary. You know, against Manchester, they could have scored nine. They could have scored 12, 13, 14 if they wanted to. You've got Balmast is unbelievable. You know, Newman, unbelievable. The, the depth, and like Eaton Champini, by his standards, is having a quiet season. But they've this got scoring all over the place. Even though the defence, Tansy's getting goals lately. Sorsman's good for a few goals. They're just stacked. And like I said earlier, the only team that can beat them is themselves. If they keep going the way they're going, no one's going to come close to them. Simple. So for me, my I, I'm not wanting to think that at all, and I'm saying that as a Sheffield fan, not as, as on this podcast, because we've seen it too many times in Sheffield recently where we've looked great. And I've said it at least once in the last few years to friends who are sitting here, this team can win it all, to then not even get bus fare home. That's how you know, collapse they have. But 
they've not had the team that is as strong. You know, Cormier, what a pickup that was. And to me, he's having the impact, like when we got Bollybrook first time round, that just changed the team completely that went on to, to win the double that year and was um, a dodgy offside call in the cup final away from a Grand Slam. Yeah, and he's just fitted in well. The Cardiff game, and in fairness to people, so he said, you know, Sheffield gave us nothing and we just kept him away and we, we get any sniff of a chance strangled out, taken out and just dis- distributed. And that looked too easy. That game against Cardiff a few uh, weeks ago looked too easy. When you expect to get when you play against Cardiff, it'll be interesting on Wednesday when we go down to Cardiff, what type of game that is. Um, I think if we get a similar result, you you start to change the mindset. But this week is is huge in terms of it's five games in eight days. We had one on the Saturday, so today, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. If we come out with eight nine points out of that, the mindset will change because that's it's definitive. Because you're going to pick up knocks. Um, that's why I think Vanell's going to come into his own because he's going to. He'll have the option to go, right, we've got a, a defender who's injured, let's move him in. Morales is starting um, in Manchester, which is just a great thing that I think Fox may have learned instead of just riding the goalie. Because we mentioned before last season, if if Greenfield didn't play 15 games as more than he did last season, he'd have been a lot better because he was just spent. He's learning that because of the schedule. Things are looking different. Everything you said is right. But I don't think there'll be a single person that will just go, yeah, it's sorted. But I don't think it will be long if the results continue, and especially this week, where there'll be start to be that belief and it becomes the, the, the change in the mindset, it will change and it'll go, right, okay. At the same side, though, you know, we could have potentially a nice kick up the arse in the cup semi final. If the belief and, and you know, veering off the mindset of one game at a time type thing, because you do that and you just think you've coasted against Coventry, well, they'll be in the final. So I think this this potential to kind of the nice elbow to just keep them on the on the straight and narrow. David, I get what you're saying. Um, you're not. Fine. Listen, you, I, I appreciate you guys will be like, you know, it's sorted. No, I, 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 I know. I, 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 I guess. That will, I guess. That, that's been the mindset. I'll tell you. Now. I get it. I get it. I mean, no, David, we've not been in your shoes as as Steelers fans in the past and and been you know, upset at the last minute. You know, it hasn't happened for Scott or I in that respect. So I get that you've got this kind of, mm, we've been here before kind of mentality. But I'm noticing a softening in yourself in that respect, you know, where you're sort of not as guarded as you would have been in the past. My missus, for a fact, as well, she'd normally be very guarded. And she's a little bit looser than what she has been in the past. She'd be, oh, we've been here before. I'm not going to get it myself. And she's a little bit softened. Like people like Faye and stuff on, on Twitter, you know, you see those fans have obviously been burnt many times and you know not to get ahead of yourself. But I can just sense that little bit of... That nut's cracking a little bit, I think, at the minute. And I, I start you believing. Do. I agree. I will do. And it will be on results. So if we come next Saturday and we've, we've picked up all the points, that'll get looser. Mm. Then the week after. And it will start. It'll be on results. If, if we can continue, that will happen. Yeah. Um, but... way, I think if, if the gaps that they are now... And the same can the end of January. You can definitely right start putting those ribbons ready to get on that trophy because it's gained in hand over both the rival teams chasing. 
they'll probably sort of even out roughly uh, by the end of January because Cardiff played in the Conduct Cup, so they'll miss a weekend of league fixtures. Um, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And in nothing worse than when you, sort of, you, know, you want your team to win and you, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But by the same token, looking at everything in a neutral kind of way and being objective as best as you can. Scott watches lots of games more than us two. He's seen everybody. And it's not a team even to come close to Sheffield. So there's no one to chase you because no one really on a run that suggests that they can catch. And that's unless Sheffield, unless uh, Belfast can sign a load of players, somehow cheat the uh, roster changes rule, and they can just sign a load of legends that will just win them the league because they can't see happening. Yeah, Sheffield, that's it. You've won the league. Move on. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. You look at the league table as it stands now. There's a six-point lead over Cardiff with three games in hand. And yes, always becomes six becomes 12. You've got the four-points win game either way on Wednesday. Results will yeah, happen. that's huge. Um, with, with, as a team, just to back up what you guys have said, they've scored the most goals in the league, not including the cup, but the league, and conceded the least in the league. So, yeah, the signs are there. But I... You just week by week, game by game, and you'll start to see everything loosen up. This is a key week, I think, in the grand scheme of the whole season. I truly believe they haven't lost any games away. They play is it three back to back away now? Today, yeah, Monday. Yeah, so, as, we, as, we record, so as we record today, Wednesday, Manchester, Friday. Wednesday, Cardiff, um, Friday, Glasgow. Yeah. So even to veer into the Tom Cooley line of a bit of travel, um, mm. but. Like I say, I agree, it is a huge week for the team. And like I say, depends on how results go. The mindset will, will start to if change. If they're sensible as well, because again, it's going to be a key week. If they're sensible, if I was the Steelers organisation, I would stay in Cardiff, have a nice chilled out hotel night after the game on Wednesday, fly to Scotland, fly to Glasgow on Thursday, get there ahead of the game. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be betting back on, on Thursday in the early hours getting up whatever time on Thursday and even travelling again on the same day or Friday morning, I'd be having a chill out in the, the bay, flying up from from Cardiff to Glasgow Thursday, chill out in, uh, you know, Renfrew and then give the guys everything they need in terms of uh, of energy to try and win those three games because they can win those three games. That could be uh, curtains for the league. It potentially could be. And, um... As much as I would like to continue to uh, lament on the good stuff in Sheffield, there are other areas that we need to talk about on this episode. And, and an area that has been looked at as a bit of a sensitive side, uh, and that is the form of the Nottingham Panthers. Now, we'll talk about this with every, with, no, with the knowledge that everything that's happened. Uh, so if you're listening to this, please bear that in mind uh, when we go into this. Uh, and Scott, You've kind of looked into it, dig deep into it as well. Thing, give us give us your thoughts on on the form. As you just said, hundred percent. This is purely on a sporting integrity uh, side of things. The facts are the facts. Is Nottingham Panthers are just not very good. Uh, they were in a false position before the tragedy. They only played one arena team. Um, well, Big Four team, you would say, and that was Cardiff and. The voodoo is Cardiff always losing Nottingham. So they hadn't really had any test in the league in the sense of a, a big hitter. Uh, their challenge cup form was pretty shocking in that sense. So a false position, 
but that kind of gave them the, you know, to come back into league after the time off and to still have that good standing kind of gives you a little bit of a G up, but they're just, they've got one good line, I'd say. And then the rest are struggling. The issue they have is they've, um, they've lost Oli Betteridge and Tetlo, I know. Uh, losing to two year Brits is not great, but they've not replaced them or not give the guys any help. Um, they can say that the, the lads are struggling, but before the webcast starts, I've got the camera in the dressing room, which I find very odd. You can see the players interacting with each other as an away fan, because most of the webcasts are for the away fans. It doesn't show a team that's kind of not together. It shows a team that are chatting and having fun. So what? They've absolutely ran Carl Neal into the ground. The guy is knackered. I've, I think he's like close to 30 minutes a game. But the game against Coventry, he, was so, he just threw a pluck across the blue line. It just went to a blaze player stick. That's just, he's just done in. Why have they not brought anyone in? It's it's abysmal, really. It's unfair on the players that are there. Um, this is the Nottingham Panthers. I was, I was speaking to a couple of Nottingham fans last night. You've got such a buzz is not the right word, but you've got a fan base united there at the moment who are selling out that rink. Give them something to cheer about. Put players, give them some fresh bodies in that team that can change the attitude around the place and still play for a trophy this season. Imagine if Nottingham pulled it together and won the playoffs. Would it? Um, it would be an amazing story out of such a hard season for them. You've got their. Paredes, who is trying his best to G up the size on the squad. I think he's struggling. I think he is a little bit out of his depth. He can't do interviews anymore. You've got Kevin Moore and Rich Strachan kind of filling in for him. They just need a few more bodies in. And hopefully, because we've got Christmas out of the way, they can do that. But the, the reality is Nottingham Panthers will not get many wins this season if they continue the way they are. I think the, the point that you make about the fresh players, I think is the huge thing for me as well. You know, if you get two or three players that don't, that have obviously not been impacted by what's happened and that's, it always will be in the back of the mind for the season, but you have three players that know what's happened but hasn't been impacted, it could hopefully help the rest of the guys get a bit of energy into them because they do look down. They do look downbeat. Um, I feel that Padres are, are pep. He, he wants to say what he wants, but he's his English ain't there, so he's sending his assistants out there. And I do feel that they need somebody because I think Nottingham need to do it for the players. It's, it's kind of they need to look after him a bit more. And they're not saying they haven't looked after him. Let me just make that clear: they have looked after him in terms of what's happened, but they need to continue. I think the next layer of, of looking after him is that get some bodies in, give them something that, you know, like you said, they sold they were close sell out yesterday. You know, when their, their results don't, they've traditionally a fan base that if results aren't there, they don't turn up. Like you say, they're united, they are together. And that is a that's a, an incredible beast when that happens. Um, I've got to mention one of the moments in the festive period where they did the lap of around the Sheffield Arena. Um, after they'd gone off, they got the man of match, where it's gone off, and then they went around. And I've got to be honest, you look, they looked. It, there was there was gratitude from them because the Sheffield fans and the Nottingham fans that were there giving them the support. And it's a weird one that you kind of you see something that you don't ever expect to see as the 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 old enemy. 
doing a lap around your arena, but getting the applause and everything. But it adds to everything that what these guys need, and it's just a you know a bit more support. They've got the fan base, and other and other fan bases are sympathetic towards them. Now the club, I feel, needs to, and hopefully, like I say, over Christmas, that's now out of the way. They get the paperwork through and get some bodies in to help them out. Yeah, they are struggling. Um, watching the game on the 27th against Sheffield, um, John O'Connor with a stat, I, I wish I'd have written it down, to be fair, along the lines of, he quote like the goals that the second and third line had, had scored, and it was, it was shocking. Um, I, I think it might have even been like even two goals between the, the third line. Scott's probably the best guy for this because he always knows his stats. But, you know, it, the, the, the numbers that he read out for like the second and third line forwards was embarrassing. And I think when you've not got that like, sort of second or third line, you know, firing, you've got one line and you shut the first line down, what you bring into the table. <laughs> we almost bordering on like negligence in terms of Nottingham. And under any other circumstance, if a team's struggling, you bring players in, you make changes. And I don't say that they need to sack players because at the end of the day, that would be a bit cruel with what they've been through. Um, there's probably guys still struggling. But as you say, they need help. There's there's no offence. They've got no goal threat at all. That team has got literally zero goal threat. I agree on Carl Neal. Um, we should have him on um, the week before after what happened. And, we know, you know, even early on in the season, it kind of became obvious to us he was going to be a standout player for Nottingham and we were keen to speak to him. For obvious reasons, we've not been back there to do that. But the poor guy has been playing crazy minutes. When we were there three of us in Carpentry a few weeks ago. When I watched the defence, he never seemed to be off the ice. He obviously was, but he seemed to be on every other shift. And if you're like in a, like basically sort of batter your best guy night in, night out like that on defence, he's going to catch up with you. And I think you need at least three or four players in over the next few weeks. Otherwise, the season's going to just filter out and I can't. So they could possibly even try and all of a sudden turn that form around for the playoffs to try and peak at the last weekend of the year because you don't win in a losing in a habit. You don't just lose all year and then start winning in April. No. But if ever the Nottingham Panthers should go back to their mantra and bring in some flair players, now's the time. Because they would uh, imagine the joy the the fans would give them getting to use to the players of the past that can give them the freedom. There's going to be some guys around the Euro Leagues that Maybe they'll have to pay a, pay a little bit more for, but where is Mr. Black in all this? He he needs calling out on this point. Come on, support support your team. And there's also the sense of, and I just want to bring it up while we're talking about it in the game, the, the players are playing a bit silly. There was two kneeing incidents in the game against the Blazer. There was a five-plus game for McGurty. It was a, it was a shit hit. Um, I'm going to call out Dan Green. The, the commentary was embarrassing. He, he said... Uh, that it was a maybe a two minutes can't see a five. Then you can tell John O'Bullard's going wanting Dan Green to own a shit. And Dan Green didn't own a shit, which is makes that he's this big Nottingham guy. I think, but he forgets that he was for the, with the Steelers for years. So come on, uh, there needs to be a bit of discipline in the, the Nottingham side as well because they are short. They went down to four D yesterday after that because um, Dupree had an eye injury from the night before. So. When you're playing short, they've got to be a bit more disciplined. But then, on the flip side, are they tired because of what they're, what they're having to go through? So, look, I'm I'm not one. I hate fucking hate the Nottingham Panthers, but, but I, I'm not happy with the, the situation they're in. And I'm with uh, this one just to end it up. How good that would be as a story, not as a 
fan, you know, the fan of one of their rival teams. But if they were to pick up the playoffs, that'd be a hell of a story. Um, so Nottingham, do your best, give them some help, and give the fans even more to cheer for. So we'll move on to the next um, topic, and I've got penalties. And I already got Scott. Is this one you want to elaborate on? I'm, 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 I'm just pissed off with this instigator rule. Um, I've had a few run-ins with Cardiff fans. It always seems to be the same thing uh, at the moment. But Cole, sorry, Bush, Tyler Bush, leaves a late one in on uh, McNulty with a second to go. He knows what he's doing. I've got no issue with it. If my player's doing that, shaking it up a bit. But McNulty takes offence to him. His stick comes down um, and hits the back of his skates. They go. It's not a wild Paul Bunyan fucking slashing into the back of his legs. He comes down. He lets Bush know. Bush is not shy in coming forward. They have a scrap. Bush deals with McNulty, to be fair. It's a win for Bush. And then um, McNulty ends up with 17 minutes worth of penalties. Two plus ten for instigator, and then um, five for fighting. Bush five for fighting. Should he have got a penalty for the late hit? Yeah, but it happens. It got missed. Whatever. What the fuck is this call for Menotti about? Puts us down. We're we're struggling to get back into the game. Menotti then has a chirp at the ref. Gets a further ten minutes for abuse of the official. Now I don't know what was said, so it'd be unfair of me to comment. But Minotti's going to have a bee in his bonnet for getting 17 minutes worth of penalties. We had it the week before, sorry, a few days before, with Clements has a has a fight uh, because he gets a, a hit off my friend Ferguson. Ferguson, again, not shy in coming forward, happy to have a tie Clements up. He doesn't try and turtle anything. It's a five and a five. Delino takes Clements off through the, poop, the paint and uh, McAdam, who... Did his best, Tom Daly goes down. I get it. Two minutes goal. Good to move it. Then Clements gets chucked for instigator. What the? F- oh, so I've had two incidences in the last week that I'm baffled. I, I don't get it. Why are we? Can we not keep this game honest? Bush and Ferguson were willing combatants. They knew that there was a bit of needle there. This this will turn players to take a cheap shot on someone now because they're more likely that they get away with a cheap shot than having a fight and getting called a fucking instigator penalty. I see one in the Manchester game, Ulet. He goes behind the net and the player goes into the boards. Boarding call, it's fight, no instigator there. There's just no, there's no consistency. And I realise I'm more passionate about it because it's my team. But my, my player's just got 27 minutes of penalty because he got hit late. I'm going to join you because I hate the instigator rule. I think it's the biggest load of bullshit going. And here's why. If you look at the word instigator, it's something that starts it. Is the fight the start of the whole thing? No. It's the play that deter that, that, that caused the person to fight. Now, do we have to have something where you have a balancing out penalty? Where you, if you need to call in skater, but you call your person so that the team's not balanced, the game is kept honest. And yes, we are trying to move away from fighting. Yes, we're trying to get away from that. You know, that's the culture. And I get that. I understand it. I don't like it, but that is what it is. And, you know, that's what we have to deal with. But at the same time, I said it so many times. I, I hate 
it's a bullshit penalty. It's a bullshit penalty in respect of it's not actually doing what a penalty should be doing in respect of... Now, if someone jumps the person and absolutely levers them, do you know what? I can see that it fits into there, but to just every time there's a big hit, oh, fight, oh, must be instigator. No, that's bollocks. 100% bollocks. Now, if a referee by a, or any level of referee official listen system says, no, actually, this is why, I'd love to be told this because I've never understood how you can have it where someone who's jumped and, and beaten the hell out of gets instigator and someone who reacts to a hit is instigated. Because to me, they're not the same point of when it starts. And I, I hate the, the, the penalty. I, I think it, it's something that needs to be changed. If you have to keep it in, fine, but make it more appropriate to what it should do. But at the moment, I, I'm with you, it, it's 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 not there. It doesn't have for me consistency um to to be part of the game. No, thank you, boys. That's gonna either counterbalance that or add additional fuel to what you said because you have both nailed it and yeah, talking about consistency and dops, so we've been down that road before. Ain't gonna happen. You know, maybe we should get an official on and, and ask him and, and try and get some sense of that because maybe it's something that we don't actually understand. It's possible, you know. We're not experts in any way, shape or form. But if there are any officials, I can actually go, guys, this is how the instigator rules implemented. These are the criteria. We'd love to know because, hey, even we can learn at our old ages. Um, I have nothing else on this bumper episode. Uh, gents, do you have any other business? I just have one grumble, not like me. It's um, not like you at all, mate. The starting six for the Coventry Blaze was announced on Twitter yesterday, a scheduled tweet because you get told multiple hours before. Uh, three of the six players were spelt wrong. Cozen was spelt C-O-Z-E-N. Kirk up was Kirk. Um, Liam Kirk's back in town for the Coventry Blaze. And my favourite was Alexander Kukali was Koala. Uh, I was really hoping... Kukali got a goal yesterday because the koala gift was coming out. But um, <laughs> three out of starting six, fifty percent of the tweet is wrong. I, I can't, I can't stick up from. It's every week. The Flames are playing feet Manchester Phoenix today. How are they? I didn't know they were still in existence. I don't think that's happened. I'm, I'm being obtuse, but it's fucking shit. I, t- I, I, t- I will do. The starting sixes for the elite league for a, a can of pop and a bag of Haribo. Um, if it made it look a bit more fucking competent, it's just not acceptable. It's ridiculous. Add that to the fact that you can't use the questioning. Fuck off, elite league. Sort it out. Uh, I I don't know what to add to that. To be fair, I feel like kind I'm of I'm struggling. Yeah, rather composed. It's, uh, it's good to see Scott start in 2024 as he means to do, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. John, you have anything? No, I'm all good. I probably like jinxed a few teams tonight. With my comments, you know, I've uh, probably jinxed Russell back in the summer, to be fair. We all know my uh, famous prediction back in May, maybe, yeah, start yeah. of June, where it was, um, based purely on the fact that they'd signed, which, in my opinion, is probably still the best Brit core in the league, thinking that, obviously, the imports would uh, balance each other out, more or less. Um, but, yeah, so my predictions are not exactly known to follow through, so... Apologies to anyone I might, uh, you know, fuck up things for. 
So on that basis, as we have nothing else, that's it for this episode of the Free on Free podcast. So as ever, socials, Twitter, X, Instagram at Free on Free Podcast UK, Facebook, Free on Free Podcast UK. Give us a search. Or if you'll use Spotify, go and subscribe to us. Uh, we have good numbers there. We've had good numbers throughout this season. And thank you to everyone who listens and has subscribed. And also those who've re- shared our material, commented, give us feedback. Uh, Scott's picked up a number of friends. Um, happens to be in the South Wales area, but it's good that, you know, we're, we're getting the love from areas uh, of the UK. Um, and thank you all. To, to We've had a great 23. Let's hope 24 does exactly the same. Gents. I know it's New Year's Day. I know we could have been a bit croaky with celebrations of the festive period, but thank you very much for your time. Thanks, boys. Good to see you both. It's been a long time. It feels like a long time without uh, talking to each other face-to-face. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll have loads more to talk about next week, probably completely contradicting ourselves from today. But, yeah, hockey's back. Loads of hockey to watch, and I'm tired. I've got to go back to work tomorrow, so I'm a bit sulky. Yeah. What a diva. Oh, no. Surprised he's not got people fanning him. Let's see. He's doing... They're off the screen. They're off camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, no yeah, comment. It's a, a bumper one. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, let's close the gate. Sit at the gate closed on this episode of the Free on Free podcast.